Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mm, let's get ready to rumble! He's the fastest man on the planet. He did go up there, Rabbits. Yes, yes, we are back and we are joined by the BJ Lalo, it's my Lucha Lalo, Joe from the Park Footy Pod, how are we going mate? Oh mate, that is very cruel, you were the Sione Katoa to the Bulldogs I reckon then. Mate, I uh, got, got the win on the weekend, so Trent Barrett, Coach of the Year 2021. Oh, you know, you know my thoughts on Trent Barrett mate, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, before we started recording today, you mentioned that we want to do uh, a six tackle set, we've got six talking points from the week. Uh, gone by. Uh, we will kick off with the fullback issues, I guess, for Supercoach. Um, Pappenhausen out. Tedesco, there's question marks over him. Turbo killing it. Gutho killing it. It's uh, it's a position that we have to get right, and it's a position that's so crucial to top scoring, and it's going to be hard to navigate around and see how we go. Oh, definitely. And I think the, the biggest difference between teams at the moment is who sold Teddy when he was at the top price and who didn't. I think there's people that are stuck with Teddy at the moment at a low price. They're scared to get rid of him. Um, in my opinion, if, if you've got Teddy and he doesn't play this week, you're probably better off looking at somebody like a Gutho or a Turbo to bring in your team, and uh, chances are they're going to make your money back for you anyways. Yeah, my trades uh, heavily revolve around Tesco, whether he plays or not. I mean, I suggested selling him at that sky-high price, and everyone laughed at me, but looks to be a masterstroke now. I think I had one issue that team was shooting that stopped me from doing it, and uh, obviously copying the consequences now. Uh, my trades, I think I'm looking at... If Tedesco plays, um, we'll drop Pappenhausen and bring in um, a sneaky little pickup that I've uh, spoken to you about. If he doesn't play, I think I'm going to have to um, work my team around getting a fullback in for this week because I can't cop the AE. The next sort of talking point that we've got is Josh Papali'i dropped um, slash the Raiders and, and their issues. Now, he was off the bench, and, and we've seen Ricky Stewart do this a couple of times this year to try and um, get a response out of his side, but it looks to me that... Papali is just is not performing the way that we expect him to. He's uh, been the one that's been dropped slash rested. I think we can read between the lines and say it's performance issues. I mean, what do you make of this Raiders issue? Like we, we spoke about all preseason about how sacked their forward pack is, but uh, they're just getting beaten to the punch week in, week out. I'll tell you what, talk about a team on the decline at the moment. Raiders obviously came into this season. I think everybody sort of expected them to be hovering around that top four position and they've just been done week after week at the moment. Um, I don't really understand the... Uh, dropping of Josh Papali'i, especially coming up against the Rabbitohs this week. Big uh, mobile forward pack, and I think that Papali'i is going to be sorely missed this week. Uh, I think the Raiders are just trying to figure out what to do next. I think Ricky Stewart's trying to get a reaction out of his players by dropping uh, such a big name and somebody that's so influential, and I think he wants more out of Papali'i as well, but I just don't really understand it, especially for this game against the Rabbitohs. Yeah, one of those games where if, they, if they're going to get up for it just based off matchups, and you think this would be the week, but it may prove to be a masterstroke if... Um... If those new guys that Ricky Stewart's brought in can do the job, then we might see uh, Papali'i on the on the bench for a couple of weeks. But who knows? Next, we see uh, Ryan Madison, uh, I guess, a, a super coach gun in years gone by. Spent a week in reserve grade last week, got through 80 minutes, pretty unscathed. But he's come back into this Parramatta side with a bit new, uh, a 
bit, bit of a new landscape. We've got Isaiah Papali'i absolutely braining it. Uh, Sean Lane just doing Sean Lane things. And that sees Maddo on the bench. Do, you, do we think that's a case of um, players are just playing too good to drop? Or do you think that's a case of just Brad Arthur easing Maddo back into the side? From one Papali'i to the other, on completely different ends of the spectrum there. Uh, obviously, Eels Papali'i's just killing it week in, week out. Massive, massive price there at Supercoach at the moment. Uh, and then you've got then you've got Lane there as well. I think Lane's been I think Lane's the one that's going to drop. Uh, I think that Madison will come into the starting lineup. Like you said, he's too much of a gun to not have in your team. Uh, and Lane is just not he's not been living up to expectations at this point. Can't really take Papa Lee out of that side as well. So I think over the next couple of weeks could even be a, a late reshuffle this week. And I think Madison will come into that starting side uh, for, for Lane. Yeah, we'll touch on Isaiah um, when we break down the Bulldogs Eels game, but. I'm a little bit skeptical of buying him just uh, back off off the back of those, all those attacking stats that he's got. The next, I guess this is the game that you want to talk about the most when we get into it, but it's the Broncos' issues. They're half-back conundrum. How much Kevin Walters is reshuffling this team? I mean, you and I spoke about this uh, during the week. Like The Broncos have a good side of paper. If they make a couple of new acquisitions, they can really be a, a decent team moving forward. And One of the big acquisitions they're looking at making is in the half-backs. Now, DCE's been linked. Adam Reynolds has been linked. Mitch Moses has been linked. Um, they've just let young Tom Dean walk. Is it trouble for, for the Broncos? Or do you think if they can land one of these big-name halfbacks, it's going to help uh, reshape the culture of the team? Fuck me, mate. It's literally half of the league has been linked to the Broncos in the last week. I think it's a, a case of uh, agents going out there and just you know, saying that there is interest around these players. I think a lot of clubs know that Broncos are out there desperate and they're going to be paying big money. So agents are using that to their advantage, trying to get the best dollar for their for their players. I can't imagine that they're going to land pretty much any of these players. Like, I look at Mitchell Moses, it's a potential. At DC, obviously, the rumor going around that he's going to be uh, getting out of, the manly, out of that Manly contract just due to Manly having salary cap issues, and he's going to head up there. Again, I can't really see it. Reynolds, I think, is going to end up at the Sharkies, but the Broncos are just in such a shambles at the moment. Um, just, you know, Tom Dearden, not, not offering him a contract. I don't understand it. Like, this is the player that you've been talking about for the last, what, three, four years coming through the juniors, uh, getting comparisons to Wally Lewis. Just, yeah, I, I don't understand it at all. I I think that uh, Broncos fans should be pretty livid about it, to be honest. Uh, I know that he hasn't shown much in first grade yet, but I think that has a lot to do with where the Broncos are at in general. And I don't think that that falls on Tom Dearden uh, necessarily. And I think that the Cowboys have got a good one. It'd be very interesting to see what the Cowboys do next year. Because obviously, they've now got Chad Townsend, who was a predominant sort of main halfback he's the organizer of the team but Tom Dearden also falls into that similar mold you've got Scott Drinkwater playing uh, good footy at six you've got Valentine Hones playing good footy at one so it's gonna be hard to reach up those guys around so interesting to see that they've picked up both those guys uh, to wear the seven next year but I think if you're DCE Reynolds Moses or whatever the way the Bulldogs uh, the way the Broncos are going sorry I wouldn't be taking anything less than a million a year to go up there I mean it's it's a uh, you're walking into a furnace and I don't think uh, one player is gonna change it I think they're missing a strike center. Um, I think play Jermaine Asako on the wing, bring Tessie New to fullback. I think there's some some plenty of change they can make in that back line, but it's the forward pack that's really impressing me for the Broncos. They they ha- they have a good pack on paper, obviously Lodge, Turpin, Haas, Ricky, uh, TPJ, Carrigan, like all very very good quality footballers, and and they're winning the punch um, in recent weeks, but the, their back line just isn't firing. And uh, a man that we'll talk about in the game preview, Anthony Milford, comes back into the side, so. We'll touch on him soon, but the next game, on the next game, the next talking point, the match review committee, there's been a few inconsistencies here or there. Uh, Josh Curran obviously walks free. Uh, guys like Luttrell, uh, four weeks on the sideline. Angus Crichton, um, his hit didn't get pulled up. Sifatalakai gets suspended for a long time for a similar hit. It's 
there's no real black and white lines in the mass review community is there it's hard for um i guess us to analyze it and and really uh dissect it moving forward no oh, absolutely and the biggest thing is that rugby league is a simple sport and uh, for fans, they just want to be able to know when something happens, what the result's going to be. And at the moment, the match review committee is just a roll of the dice. I mean, you look at somebody like Jordan Pereira on the weekend, absolutely took head, uh, Teddy's head off. He might be out for the next couple of weeks. He got slapped with a, a two-week early guilty plea. And you look a couple of weeks ago and somebody like a Paul Momorowski where he went into a into a tackle, sort of bounced off the chest and collected uh, Tommy Dearden late there and he got three weeks. And it was the comparisons between the two tackles are ridiculous. It's yeah, it's just, I don't know, the match review committee needs a massive overhaul. I think the refs need a bit of an overhaul. I think uh, it's left up to interpretation too much. I think it's something that we need to go through and make, make sure things are a bit more black and white and you know what the rules are going to be. So if you go in and you know that you're going to do something like like a shoulder charge, for example, uh, I think if you if you go in with a shoulder charge, you know what kind of slap, a slap on the wrist you're going to get. You know what kind of punishment you're going to get for that. So... Yeah, the match review committee just needs a massive overhaul. And yeah, I, I think we've, we've just got to look into that and go from there. Yeah, I think every uh, 55-year-old named Barry sit there and he's on his lounge saying the game's gone soft. But player safety is obviously the, the vital thing with, with so many studies done about CT scans and, and player head injuries. I understand being a little bit protective about players, but I think if we have a line in the sand to know what kind of punishments players are going to get, uh, that will definitely help the, the game moving forward and help fans really understand uh, how the match review committee sees fit to suspend players. And the How's last, the, uh, sorry, sorry last last bit I want to say. How about the Talakai one? I, I went online uh, and I was just having a look on Facebook and Instagram and on Super, uh, super Coach groups and people saying that the Talakai one shouldn't have been charged. He shouldn't have been sinned in, whatever. Ridiculous. Like he went in, he knew what he was doing. He didn't wrap the arm at all. It's definite shoulder charge. Any collecting flush on the jaw. Like there's that many stills of different angles of showing that his shoulder is connecting with his, like with his chin. It's the only result to get. Like I, I agree with the Talakai one, but then you look at somebody like a Josh Curran who plays for the Warriors and he went in and had a head clash and, you know, and he gets sin binned and then he was looking at what two to three weeks and they cleared him. Thank, thank God that he did get cleared because of, you know, a bit of common sense has prevailed there, but. Yeah, some of the some of the fans going on about that Talakai one is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, two words that you don't really associate with the match review committee often is common sense. So I'm glad that Curran uh, did get over overturned. I mean, it, it, even from a non super coach perspective, I think it's a uh, it's a pretty piss poor suspension. I understand the referee maybe sending him off just in the spur of the moment, not really sure what to do. I can't excuse the referee for that, but when you look back at it on tape time and time again, and the match review committee found him guilty of anything. I think that's ridiculous. As for the Talakai one, yeah, mate, I think it's clear as day. Um, look, in, in in fast motion, looks like a fantastic hit, and, and if it was if it was a clean hit, it'd be used on promo packages for days. But the fact is that he didn't wrap his arms and and that shoulder collecting flush on the chin. I think it's a no brainer. The no, last the, the last the last point that we'll get on now is uh, the Tigers. They're in disarray. Uh, a lot of the pressure is coming down to Michael Maguire, but I think it's a little bit of unfair criticism. Um, I think a lot of the blame is it should be pointed at Ivan Cleary in the mess that he left at the Tigers and the, and the recruiting that was done under him. Do you think Madge is being a little bit hard done by with the team that he's got? It's a collective effort there at the Tigers. I think everybody in the board, like you mentioned, Ivan Cleary going in there and signing some of those contracts. But the fact is, you look at somebody like a, a Justin Pascoe, who is higher up, and Tigers fans are starting to recognise this as well, that Justin Pascoe is... Uh, a bit of a problem in their club. You look at some of the players he's been happy to let go and then some of the contracts that he's gone through and signed. It's just, yeah, it, Tigers are in shambles at the moment. I feel sorry for Madge Maguire because you know that he's going out there and he's just trying to get the best out of these players, just trying to do his job. And then um, 
in Tigers like fashion, that story getting leaked on Sunday night saying that the Tigers are going to have a crisis meeting, like that doesn't just come out of nowhere. That definitely someone has leaked that from the Tigers that that was going to happen just to see the reaction that they were going to get and see how fans reacted to that. And obviously came out and denied it heavily straight after. But there's no way in the world that that gets leaked without there being a little bit of truth behind it. No, the the, the club the clubs are the one that, that lets it out. Uh, I imagine McGuire wouldn't be going out to to these news outlets and saying that he's jobbing the line. It's definitely the club. Um, yeah, Justin Pascoe is a bit of a cancer to the club. It doesn't help that the club's owned by the NRL as well. I think um, the the board is all NRL employees. But yeah, with with Ivan Cleary signing guys like uh, Josh Reynolds, uh, Moses and Bai, Russell Packer to these massive contracts, we're going to have no money to to use in the salary cap. But the Tigers have one of the best junior juniors coming through, uh, even better than the Panthers. I'd say, like you look back on. Uh, the, the years gone by as the juniors that the Tigers have developed and let go, and yet we sign uh, massive players. I think Luke Brooks is copying a lot of criticism. That's unfair as well. I think Luke Brooks is playing some good footy this year. Um, they're pretty much a, a, a cheap version of the the Raiders. You know, obviously, Adam Dewey and, and Jack White, and I think they're both similar players the way they play. So there's definitely building blocks. You've got guys like Stefano that played phenomenally for the first stint in their game last week and then wasn't put back on. So... In terms of recruitment, I think Mike Maguire shouldn't be the one to blame. But in terms of in-game substitutions, I think it's fair game. Like um, when we had Tamau and Stefano on the field, we looked uh, a quality side. We, we held Manly scores, and then we bring on Musgroves and and Cheekam in the centres, and and Joel Fahengiao, and it's just falling apart. So I think it's a, a bit of a collective effort at the Tigers there. But uh, yeah, it's grim times for us moving forward. Thankfully, there is one side worse than us, but. Uh, the way they play on the weekend, the Tigers could definitely be getting that wooden spoon, which I think a lot of people expected. But um, yeah, it's it's hard to watch. First game of the week, Raiders and the Rabbitohs. Two sides on the polar opposites. One side on the down, one side on the massive up. And I think a lot of the success for the Rabbitohs can be contributed to Benji Marshall. Now, Latrell Mitchell, that suspension doesn't look to be affecting him too much. Benji Marshall turned back the clock. Uh, how good was the flick pass to Adam uh, to Alex Johnston? And um, yeah, I, th- I think he's fitting in nicely there. And uh, we just touched on the Tigers, letting play- players go. To see Benji's doing what he's doing uh, really, really hurts. Uh, Benjamin Button, mate, he's just turned back the clock, hasn't he? he? Looks It's crazy to think that he came in the league in, what, 2003? And here he is in 2001, and he's still looking exactly like he did in that 2005 grand final. Like, yeah, mate, Benji, he, he's come on strides. I think he's got the perfect coach there and Wayne Bennett for the back end of his career. Um, I think obviously that union stint midway through his career as well was probably the best thing for Benji because made him sort of realize and step back uh, and made, made him realize that he's not bigger than the game. And he, he sort of has come back, changed the way that he plays, changed his mentality. And um, since then, he's just been absolutely dynamic, hasn't he? He's really rejuvenated his career. And I think going to the Rabbitohs was probably the best decision for him. Uh, I don't even think, to be honest, it was his decision. I think it had more to do with the Tigers, but Rabbitohs have got a good one there. And I think the Roosters would be kicking themselves for not picking him up earlier. Yeah, look, don't get me wrong. The the issues with Benji Marshall were his defensive issues, and they're still there. Like Benji hasn't become a, a world-class defender overnight. He's still very, very poor on that side of the ball. But as Wayne, Wayne Bennett can protect him, Wayne Bennett... Uh, knows how to to sort of dampen the weaknesses of his players and and really enhance the strengths. And when you've got guys like Kion Kulmatangi to to help him defend, and you've got big middles uh, like Burgess and Totola and Damian Cook, I think you can definitely hide the flaws in Benji Marshall's game. In terms of a super coach standpoint, there's probably not much stock in picking him up for the next couple of weeks. Uh, if he was if Latrell was out for six or seven weeks, I think we could look at him. But uh, we'll touch on Cody Walker at fullback. Were you impressed with him at fullback? He was getting involved and. Uh, using that support play that, that he's known for really well. 
Yeah, well, I think they're going to see a better uh, Cody Walker this week as well against the Raiders. Obviously got a game now under his belt at fullback. Uh, I'm not going to have that late game shuffle. I, I know that Cody Walker was always the intention for him to play fullback last week, but I just think the, the shuffling around, the uncertainty going into it probably played with him a little bit. But now that he's had a week there, uh, I think he's going to absolutely kill the Raiders. I think the Raiders are in a, a big decline at the moment, and that's obviously something that we're going to touch on. But uh, yeah, I, I could see Cody Walker going for a ton this week for sure. So if you were looking at a 5'8 and Cody Walker was on your radar two weeks ago, uh, and you saw him named at fullback. Does that help or, or hinder him, would you say, in, in, if you were looking at picking him up? Oh, mate, you're talking to the bloke who rushed out to get Stephen Crichton when he went to fullback, so don't ask me. I'm absolutely hopeless with that. Like, I, I assumed that Crichton was going to be really good in fullback, and obviously that didn't eventuate. But um, based off Cody Walker's skill, the way that he plays the game, the way that the Rabbitohs uh, had their team lined up, I think that he can go out there and he's just going to absolutely kill it in fullback. And uh, he's the kind of dude that's just super elusive as well. And those stats, we, we obviously see it with somebody like a David Fafita. Uh, those statistics are just killing it this year. I think if you're somebody who's elusive and can break tackles, and I say that with uh, a very, uh, I guess, quotation marks hanging around at breaking a tackle, uh, I think a Cody Walker could go, go out there and just, yeah, absolutely kill it for you week in, week out at fullback until uh, Latrell's back. Yeah, the, the classic crab walk and, and a player sticks a hand out and you tackle us for it. Uh, I'm not going exactly. to say no against it as a Fafita owner. We touched on the Raiders and, and how poor they are. And like we said at the start of the show with the, with the six, uh, six talking points, the Raiders forward pack was the talking point of this year and how excited everyone was to see it. New inclusions of Corey Adewira Naira. You've got guys like Ryan Sutton, Hudson Young moving to a next level. Uh, Josh Papali expected to, to kick on. Uh, Corey Horsburgh back from the injury. Uh, Tom Starling, Josh Hodgson all playing great footy at the end of last year. But it's been kind of the counter opposite this, this year and... Uh, I think one man that's been really disappointing is Ryan James. Uh, a lot of pe- people had high expectations of him, but the Ricky Stewart rotation policy just doesn't make sense. Um, it's it's flowing onto their back line. I think Jared Croker's shot, uh, he's probably done in first grade, unfortunately. So a, a lot of issues. Sebastian Chris looks to be the, the center of the, of the future. Bally Simonson hasn't scored a try. So it's just, it's, it's, it's rough times at Canberra. Uh, heavy allegations coming out from players' partners about, uh, performance enhancing uh, drugs being used, and uh, I wouldn't wouldn't want to be um, in that Raiders camp at the moment, would you? Well, that's it. They they look like a club that's had, uh, I guess, a few off field incidents. As we obviously know what happened in the preseason there with Tommy Starling getting in a punch up with the police, and then your Harry Weirinar and your Horsberg going for a, having a few beverages and going for a bit of a drive. So Curtis I think Scott it's well. just a, exactly it's it's a mixture of being. I guess around a top four team for the last couple of years, not being able to prevail. And then obviously all this stuff that's starting to happen. And I think there's a bit of a culture shift at the Raiders at the moment. Uh, I also look at Caleb Bacon's in fullback. And I think that that's made a, a massive difference as well to the side. Uh, we obviously know what Charles Nickel Cox dad brings to that side. And Caleb Bacon's while he's safe, he like we touched on a couple of weeks ago, he just doesn't bring anything in attack. Uh, and they're really lacking from the back three at the moment. Now the Raiders had a fantastic premiership window. Obviously, going to the grand final against the Roosters and, and probably was done at a, on a call with that six again. Then uh, bounced out last year in semi-finals. As a Panthers fan, does this worry you? Uh, if if this Panthers side, for example, can't capitalize on all, all the talent they've got, do you worry that they fall into the similar mold of the Raiders? Absolutely, a hundred percent. I think for for me that that's the exact team that I look at Penrith and what I don't want them to become. I think the Raiders, again, like we're saying, is have had so many opportunities over the last couple of years and haven't been able to capitalize. And when a side's like that, it usually means that they're going to be hitting a decline pretty soon. Um, it's a mentality thing. It's a culture thing. 
And you can really see it starting to affect the Raiders. And I think the only saving grace for Penrith is the fact that they've got such a younger roster and they, they don't base everything around, um, I guess, having a couple of players in there in key positions. We've obviously seen Dylan Edwards and Appy Corusau be out for a uh, majority of the season so far. And uh, they've obviously been able to cover that really well. Whereas the Raiders, their cover their cover players in key positions just aren't great. And they're just not up to scratch. Again, Caleb Aikens. Um, but yeah, I just I feel sorry for Raiders fans because it's so cruel. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a tough watch. The Raiders I think it's very interesting to see how they go moving forward in terms of super coach. We touched on Ryan James. I think he's beginning to peak. I think he has a break even about thirty this week. So maybe we can hold on to him for one more week. Uh, but yeah, Corey Hadawiranaira played eighty minutes last week and wasn't impressive. Hudson Young, uh, guys, people that were, were looking at buying him after the first couple of weeks, only played nineteen minutes off the bench. Uh, Ryan Sutton, if he can hold some minutes, I think he'll be an okay pickup. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't be going anywhere near this Raiders side. Moving on to the Storm versus the Sharks. The first point we have here, Will Chambers, uh, named off the back of Josh Dugan's defensive issues. Now, we're not looking at him at all, are we? 386k? Yeah, miss me with that. Will Chambers, bloke who's a bit of a hothead, bloke that's been out of the game for a while. And when he was last in the game, you could tell it was starting to go by him. Uh, obviously, the game sped up a lot as well. And uh, first game back against the Storm. Yeah, miss me with that one for sure. Yeah, definitely a, a tough matchup. Uh, Jesse Ramian, now a guy that I've looked at pretty heavily, has an average of 65 and a half this year, scored 70 on the weekend, and I was really looking at picking him up, but I think they've got the Raiders, the Roosters, and the Storm. Oh, sorry, I think it might be even be the, the Roosters, the Storm, and the Panthers in the next three weeks. So um, it's going to be hard to look at any Sharks players moving forward in that back line for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jesse Ramian as well, another player that I've been looking at bringing in. Uh, while the draw is a bit tough now, you know that, Going forward, it's going to be a little bit easier. A bloke who's not going to play Origin, so somebody that you can have in your side for, you know, basically the rest of the season if you wanted to, and you really reap the rewards at the end. So I think if he's somebody that you're looking at, uh, you could look at him now. I think there's going to be a few price rises in the next couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, still has some tough opposition coming up, but I, I just think he's the kind of player that if he gets some good early ball, he could go out there and be anything. Currently priced at 486k with a break even of 19, so we expect him to hit that. Uh, but if he's not going to get those attacking stats, he might not go over that too huge. Definitely looking at what I'm looking at picking up, but I'm happy to sit and wait on him. The next sort of talking point we have here is with the Sharks, they've sacked John Morris, a man that really revolutionized the club um, after that 2016 grand final when a lot of bodies walked out the door and he really got juniors pumping and, and guys playing good footy. And, and they've sacked him for, for what, basically? A loss, to the, uh, a loss to the Knights and a loss to the Bulldogs? Yeah, look, Sharkies last week, that was betting the worst game of fo- first grade football I've seen in a very long time from a side. They bombed so many tries. They just did not look themselves at all. They looked disinterested. I feel sorry. Who's the who's the coach that took over, the interim coach? Uh, you know? Josh Hanno. Oh, I feel so sorry for him, mate. Like Inheriting a club that obviously is very hurt, and they're, they're obviously very emotional still, and it's all very raw from everything that happened with John Morris. Uh, it's just a, a really tough job to step into, and they really look like that on the weekend. It's going to be interesting to see how they go forward. Obviously, getting a few players back. Sean Johnson coming back last week. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes as well, coming back from a, an Achilles injury and being such an explosive player. That's an injury that can just derail your career. Uh, the the talking point there was what happens when SJ comes back. you got Will Kennedy playing great footy. Matt Moylan looks to be back to some kind of his best, and it was a case of who drops out of the side, but it looks to be Will Kennedy's held his spot. Matt Moylan drops out of the side. you think that's the right call? Well, from everything I heard, Matt Moylan had a groin injury last week, which is terrible injury. news for him. Injury. Yeah. Quite, quite a yeah. quote. Yeah, but the word injury and Matt Moylan are so simultaneous. Like, they just work together so so perfectly. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. And obviously, your groin and your hamstring 
Uh, very obviously very in very similar positions i think that your hammies if you've got weak hammies your groin can be affected from it so i wouldn't be surprised to be honest and uh it's really sad for matt moylan last couple of years so just his career has just fallen off hasn't it yeah definitely um you touch on the raiders of the raiders you touch on the sharks bombing so many tries we look at moeen Horotti, who scored 99 on the weekend and put down about three tries and just we, imagine the scores that, that Horotti could have put up if, if he held onto the ball um, one of these guys that is similar to that um, Sione Katoa mole that just scores a lot of tries to the Sharks, but closing on nearly 500k for a, a try score with, with very little base, not going anywhere near Harodi. No, nah, I missed me with that. Like you said, he he had so many opportunities last week. He did say he could have put up about 300 points if he knew how to catch a ball or put the ball down inside the white line. But yeah, man, again, too too expensive for me. A player who relies too heavily on the players around him and that draw that's coming up. Yeah, miss me with that one. Now, you specifically asked me to uh, lead this game for you, mate, so I'll let you take it away. Uh, the next game, we see the little brother, the Brisbane Broncos, take on the big brother, the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, obviously, a very, very interesting game. Everybody loves it. Every, even if you're not a fan of these two teams, you sit there with a big grin on your face because you know what's going what, what's gonna to happen. Uh, Broncos, obviously, a half shuffle there. We've got Tyson Gamble coming in at halfback and Anthony Milford playing 5'8". Uh, I, I don't really understand it. The, the shuffling has just been... Uh, I guess too close to one another like they're just doing it too too regularly you're never going to get the team uh, gelled together and you're never going to get the the players to go out there and perform their best if you're constantly juggling this team up I know last week was not a good look obviously Tommy Dearden's heading off as well so you don't want to be uh, giving him first grade experience just for another club but what do you make of the, the halves reshuffle mate it's they've got halves coming out their arts they've got Albert Kelly they've got Carmichael Hunt uh, Anthony Milford they had Dearden they've got Gamble uh, it's just They've got a lot of players there, but no one really screams out quality. And yeah, I think Kevin Walters is just making changes for the sake of making changes. And this is the thing I, I say with the Tigers, like just ad, just admit your shit and rebuild. Like just develop juniors, develop Dearden. Um, if you like Gamble, maybe chuck Gamble at six and, and see what happens there. But just admit you, you suck for this year and, and move on. But I think the interesting lineup is going to be TPJ versus uh, Fafita. I think they're both in the same edge, so Sparks could fly there. Uh, another one that we'll talk about, Corey Thompson, uh, center wing fullback with the fullback conundrum. Uh, is it worth picking up Tomo to, to play fullback? And another one of these guys, the Tigers have let go. It's going to be a common theme that, that hurts. So um, Corey Thompson could be a definite pickup. I know you're, you're heavily on him. Um, the question marks over that, David Fafita. Obviously, he scored a lot of his points in the first half last week. Only had two or three touches in the second half. Um, do you think that's a case of him going missing? Or do you think it's a case of just maybe the ball isn't getting to him? Or, or do you think that he's maybe shying away from it? I'll tell you what, didn't he drop off in the second half last week? I uh, obviously was looking through my league last week and saw how many people captained for feeder. And at halftime, I was a very, very nervous man having not captained him. Um, but yeah, he really dropped off in that second half. And obviously, uh, the Titans ended up dropping that game. I think Fafita really needs to keep his head in the game for the full 80. I think he knew that he scored that hat-trick in the first half and he sort of hung his hat up and sort of knew that uh, that was his day done. But uh, for him, obviously, in the kind of club that he's in where he is the star player and everything revolves around him, he really needs to put his hand up and be the leader and go out there and play a full 80 minutes. Uh, against the Broncos, we obviously know there's a little bit of bad blood between the two. I would not be surprised to see him go out there and put up a massive score this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's the old rugby league cliche of a game of two halves last week, and the Titans are up. The Titans look look great, and they put they put the cue in the rack. And uh, South come home. South are a quality side. You can't give them too much of an opportunity, and that, and they punish the the Titans. I don't think Justin Holbrook's going to stand for that. Uh, I think this is going to be a, a pretty good game to watch. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. 
Um, but one man we haven't touched on, Jordan Rickey. Uh, a lot of people panic sold him a couple of weeks ago, but Alex Glenn uh, injured. Ricky comes back into the side. I wouldn't be too confident with this. I mean, Kevin Walters has already shown his propensity to, to drop Ricky. Uh, he's probably just there based on, on injury. There's definitely some reshuffling that can be done to see Ricky drop out of the side again. Oh, definitely. It's like any Broncos player. Like, I mean, the Broncos, obviously, like you look at what Kevin Walters has done with the roster over the first seven weeks. And uh, yeah, it's very worrying. I, I held on to Jordan Ricky just because I felt that he's the player of a future for them. He's going to come back into the starting lineup at some point. He's just sort of a player that I didn't want to waste a trade on. Uh, I can understand if you did, because he was obviously sitting there around 400k. Uh, and you could go out there and get a, a pretty penny for him. But for me, I just left him in my side. Uh, I don't really understand why you would drop him. Like he's come out and he's told you how much he loves the club. He's sort of the only player who's actually shown a bit of leadership and he's probably one of the youngest players in the team. And uh, for Kevy to drop him last week, yeah, it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? Impressed with Danny Levi off the bench last week? Uh, yeah, relatively. Again, not a player, uh, definitely not a player I'd look at for super coach. Um, I think he made a few errors here and there as well. But uh, for Danny Levi, I, I think he's the kind of guy that needs to go out there and really work on his running game and uh, make sure that defensively he's the sound. And for him, he can he can have a, a future in the NRL for sure. I can't believe he was out of the league for, what, nearly a year. Like, it's pretty crazy. He's he's too good not to have a, a contract, isn't he? I mean, looking at the stats last week, Jake Turpin scored 48 points in 40 minutes and Dean Levi scored 35 points in 40 minutes. So I know that Turpin uh, played a little bit of ball playing lock, so he might have had a few more attacking stats there. But yeah, I think it's it's good to to see Danny Levi back in the game, but uh, maybe Jake Turpin maybe wasn't the one to to sacrifice for him because Turpin played every minute, and I think he looks very solid for the Broncos, uh, a great defensive piece. Um, I think if you picked up Turpin, a few Supercoach sides, obviously you sell him now, made some good coin, uh, price over 420k now, so definitely say goodbye to him, bring in someone like a Simkin or, or upgrade to someone like a Coruscant. The next game, uh, I can't believe that the Seagulls are $6 head-to-head, mate. No, oh, mate, how good have the Seagulls been? And as a Panthers fan, I'm very, very worried about this game. Um, I look at Tommy T, I look at the, what he brings to that club and the confidence that he's brought to all the players around him, especially young players like Jason Saab. Like he's, he's really come on in the last couple of weeks and uh, people that held on to him, maybe not playing him, but held on to him are reaping the rewards of that. Never, now. ever and, doubt the king, mate. Jason Saab, uh, going to be a top center wing prospect in the year, mark my words. He's got a fantastic base in him, got a good motor, Brian Toto 2.0. Nah, look, miss me, miss me with the Brian Toto <laughs> 2.0. The, uh, the base stats, not not the greatest looking that I've ever seen, but the amount of tries that he could he could see in uh, the next couple of weeks and at the price that he's at, you could definitely make a bit of coin on him. But yeah, Manly worry me a lot this game. I know we're a super coach podcast, mate, but $6 head to head on the bookmakers, that, that's got to be worth worth a, a cheeky uh, fiver, isn't it? Oh, for sure. And not to mention, like when you're a team like Penrith and you've won I think it's what, like 27 out of their last 28 games or something. Uh, it's it's hard to get up. Like every week gets harder and harder for you to go, go and get your head right for, for the game. Uh, especially when you're sitting, what, I think four four points above anybody on the ladder as well. Origin sort of just around the corner. Yeah, there's there's a lot of signs pointing towards a Panthers loss in the next couple of weeks. And I would not be surprised at all to see it come from Manly. If Manly played anyone else this week, I'm definitely picking up Tommy Turbo. But the fact they do play the Panthers, who defend so well, um, I can see Manly winning this game, but I can see them winning at 14-12, uh, a real grind affair. So that's why I'm, I'm holding off Tommy Turbo this week. I understand that he's going to go up in price, and I'll pick him up next week. But this is the only game that worries me about Turbo. I'm going to go a little bit riskier with my pickup. So hopefully that the Raiders, hopefully the Raiders, hopefully that the Panthers can hold Turbo to a low score, 
And let's not forget that the Tigers held Turbo to 10 points in the first half an hour, um, but then obviously exploded. So I don't think the Panthers are going to fall off as much as the Tigers do. And we know that Turbo is going to need those um, stats pushing through. And if the Panthers can lock him up, uh, it might be a tough week for uh, Turbo owners. Do you think he's a, a decent captain option this week? Or do you think the matchup's just too risky to put the C on him? I definitely wouldn't put the C on him. I think he's still somebody that you could look to bring into your team because I think a healthy turbo is almost a must for your side, especially with how many players are out. Obviously, Teddy, a bit of confusion around him and what's going to go on. And then obviously, Pappy potentially out for the next three weeks. So I think turbo is almost a must for your side. But captaincy, I'd steer clear for captaincy this week. I think the risk is just too great. And I look at a game like a uh, Broncos and the Titans and Fafita in that. How can you go past him for a C? People are going to laugh at me, mate, and it's going to come down to, the, to, to Tedesco and whether he plays or not. But as I said, I'm not too keen on this uh, turbo matchup. One matchup I am keen on and a guy that is going to play fullback um, for Supercoach. I'm looking at Zach Lomax, mate. I know that people will laugh about it, but if I'm going to pick up turbo next week, I'm going to need a fullback for this week. And, and the Raider, the I keep saying the Raiders, the Dragons against the Tigers, I think Lomax could go off and he's going to be a stopgap for a week. Um, next week could look at bringing out Simonson and bringing in Turbo after that matchup happens. But I think a lot of my trades hinge on Tedesco and whether he plays or not. So that's something we'll have to keep a close eye on either the grounds. The next game, uh, the Bulldogs versus the Eels. Uh, big talking points here. Clint Gutherson. Um, I called him the best of the rest in terms of fullbacks last week. I think he was a better option than Turbo, uh, a better option than Tedesco, a better option than uh, Roger. And he, he provided the goods last week for owners, didn't he? Oh, definitely, and that's somebody that I brought in this week. I brought in Corey Thompson and uh, Gutho this week. Just two players who uh, just seem to be doing it week in, week out at the moment. And Gutho is just on a bit of a roll at the moment, isn't he? Uh, obviously got the Bulldogs this week as well. Last week had the Broncos and just tore them apart. And yeah, Gutho looks the goods at the moment. I don't think he's going to play Origin this year either. Do you? No, I don't, mate. Um, I think the centers will be Latrell and Turbo, and the 14 will be Pappenhausen. So I just don't see room for, for Gutho in that side. So... Yeah, plays the first buy, won't play Origin, ticks all the boxes. So uh, what's what's not to like about Gutho? I guess the problem is that sometimes his game doesn't relate to Supercoach. Um, he can go, not missing, but just that the effort that he puts in doesn't go notice on the scorecards. Yeah, for sure. That's always been his problem, hasn't it? And you'll look at a game and you'll think, he must have a ton of points and he's sitting there on about a 60. So not that a 60 is bad, but for a fullback and for, for the amount of... Uh, uh, plays that he's involved in you would just think that he'd be out there absolutely killing it week in week out and his draw is pretty favorable over the next couple of weeks We've got the bulldogs this week roosters next week which is a little bit of a harder one but we obviously know what's going on with the roosters at the moment uh and then we've got the warriors manly south newcastle and the tigers so yeah i still think that gutho is a pretty good pickup especially over that origin period i think he could absolutely kill it in terms of overall like overall averages uh gutho is fifth and two of the players above him aren't playing so it goes Pat with 117.4, Turbo with 117, Kalen Ponga with a 95.7, Latrell Mitchell with an 82.2, and then Gutho with a, sorry, uh, it goes Troll with an 88, and then Gutho with an 82.3. So a bit of a drop off there. I can't fucking talk, fuck me. <coughs> bit of a drop off there, but uh, definitely a pod move. Probably going to be a, a lot lower ownership than Turbo. Um, Kalen Ponga is another one we can look at there, but he is still priced quite sky high. For the Bulldogs, Obviously. they got their very first win. Um, great to see. I know that you're a huge Trent Barrett fan, so I'm sure that uh, you were having parties for him. But Luke Thompson, uh, touted as one of the best front row forwards in the world last year when he came over from the Super League, didn't have a preseason, came in the middle of a global pandemic. We didn't see the best out of Luke Thompson last year, but we're certainly seeing the best out of him now, aren't we? 
hundred percent. And the fact is, Bulldogs have next to no front row forwards as well. Uh, obviously, a few injuries there. Just had a lack of them in their roster to begin with. So Luke Thompson's just seeing more and more minutes as the weeks go on. I think as he gets healthier and healthier as well, those minutes are just going to keep increasing. Uh, his base is incredible. Like he just goes out there and works. Um, I think if you're looking for a new prop to put into your team and there's a bit of a point of difference, I, I would 100% be looking at Luke Thompson at 487 as well. It's so, yeah, he's an absolute must, almost a must for, for your props, in my opinion. Now, you talk about him being a must have. Um, we, we spoke about him in the Broncos game. Would you prefer Luke Thompson or would you prefer to bet? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tavita Pangai. Oh, that's a tough one. I, I like both of them. I think Tavita Pangai is the kind of guy who's more, definitely more likely to go out there and give you more attacking stats like a try. Uh, but Luke Thompson, his base is just incredible. His motor is incredible. Uh, Bulldogs. Again, Bulldogs, Broncos, two teams, bottom of the ladder. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, I think that Luke Thompson's job security is a bit better than Pangos as well, just with Kevy up there and uh, swinging the axe what seems to be every week. First game back against the Storm, 50 minutes for a 44 base. Then against the Cowboys, 56 minutes for a 57 base. And last week against the Sharks, 64 minutes for a 63 base. So those minutes are increasing. The base is going up. Um, yeah, scored a 65 last week, 65 the week before. So at, at dual position as well, I think uh, definitely worse options to have. I think I'm going to look at picking up TPJ this week personally, um, just because of the fact that, that he'll play the, the bye. So I think that's probably what separates the two of them for me and the fact that we know TPJ's ceiling and he's probably bottomed out in price, whereas Luke Thompson, um, his break-even's 47, price at 487K. So if he goes up, I don't think it's going to go up by a huge amount. So definitely um, prefer TPJ just from with all the X factor that he provides. Uh, the same game, um, like like we touched on at the at the start of the show, Ryan Madison is back, um, but Josh Papali, not Josh Papali, Isaiah Papali, um, I feel like we're just paying a little bit too overs for him right now. I, I think he scored tries in the last three weeks. That really inflates his scores and his price. Does have a great motor, but do we think if you haven't jumped on on Papali, do you think we've missed the jump? Oh, mate, I feel like we've been talking about this bloke week week in, week out, and every week I say oh, it's probably just a week too late, but you know, he's sitting here with a break-even of 42, coming up against the Bulldogs. He could just be absolutely anything. I I really worry about, again, his job security. We know they've got uh, Lane there. We've got Madison coming back. So you never know what's going to happen. Um, again, probably a player that's a bit too expensive for me, in, in my personal opinion, sitting at about 700K there. Uh, obviously got the Dogs this week, but then after that, um, a few tougher games as well coming up, but... Uh, look, it's completely up to you. If you've got the cash to do it, and by all means, you're going to make a little bit of cash on him. But yeah, he's a bit of a risky one for me. A few, few too many question marks around him. Now, he scored five tries this year. He scored five in four weeks. So he he went against the Tigers. He got 93 with a try. Against the Dragons, he got 109 with a try. Against the Raiders, he got 129 with two tries. And against the Broncos last week, he got 83 with a try. Now, I guess the concerning thing there is... Um, we take out those tries. We know a try is worth 31 points. So uh, that takes him down to, what, 61, 70. 
take off another 60. So another another 55, 60-point game, and another 60-point game. So I think that's the only issue that I see with with um, Isaiah. Like, don't get me wrong, a 60-point average is, is great. But when we're paying 700K for him and we're relying on those tries, uh, I think it could be another Kurt Capewell situation just for a lot more money. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he, he definitely worries me, mate. And uh, you hit the nail on the head. He's probably had a bit too, too expensive now. I think the decline's going to happen sooner rather than later. And um, all those scores that you were just mentioning all rely heavily on tries. And uh, he is in a good position too, because he still continue to get those meat pies. And obviously, it's a bit of a game plan to get him early ball and uh, get him going. But yeah, with Madison returning, um, I, I can't see him scoring a try every single game as well. So that, that price is going to have to drop eventually. But the more he scores, mate, the more I want to rip my hair out. He just continues to do it week after week. Another one of these guys, similar to Ben Condon, who uh, I'm not keen on buying, but continues to score week on week. The next game, uh, I think this could be one of the games of the round, in all honesty. It's the Knights versus the Roosters. Roosters on a, a little bit of a down. The Knights are getting some troops back. I think this could be a really close game. Uh, Sam Walker, a genuine 14th man option. Are we basically locking him, him in for uh, a reserve every week? Yeah, oh, for sure. No, definitely. I, I've, I'm sitting there. I've got him and Schuster in my uh, reserve halves, and I, both of them have made me a ton of money. I think Sam Walker, there is a little bit of inconsistency. The one week that he didn't have a real good score, I didn't put the reserve on him. And then from there, I was sort of thinking, maybe I won't put the reserve on him anymore. Sort of got forced into it the last couple of weeks, and uh, he has not disappointed at all. He's the kind of guy that can go out there, and uh, within a five or 10-minute period, he could go out there and give you 90 super coach points just based off try assists and tries himself. Uh, he's an absolute gun. It's it's crazy to see because you look at him and physically he looks like somebody. He looks like a, a typical like sixteen, seventeen year old, uh, very small, but defensively he's just killing it, isn't he? Yeah, I think uh, Adam O'Brien came out and said they, they're going to send trips to him all day, but I think he's going to be able to handle it. We look at his scores, mate. Debut game eighty one, backed up with an eighty nine against the Sharks, then against the Storm he scored a twenty one, uh, a game where uh, the Storm dominated that. So the scoring opportunities were very limited for Walker, a, a kid with. Uh, a very, very low base. We're going to need those attacking stats, but uh, with Drew Hutchinson in the side, I think Sam Walker is growing more and more in confidence. Um, and yeah, I think he's definitely going to be able to to be the man there. He averages 79 through four games with a 21 in his score. So um, oh, don't get me wrong, the try helped him last week, but even without that try, uh, he was still on track for another score around 85. So definitely showing up with the hype for for Sam Walker. Uh, CYC Takiyaho back on the bench. Now... I'm not too sure what to do with Siwa. Do, do I put the reserve on him in hopes he gets 40, 50 minutes or do we, do we put the red line for him for this week? If he isn't goal kicking, he's pr- pretty much a sell, isn't he? Oh, mate, I've been, this is the one player I've been sitting there scratching my head about all week. Even last week, I yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure what's going on with him. Obviously, has that rib injury that's going on. It's a bit of an uncertainty around the Roosters at the moment and a bit of a shuffle and obviously... You can see the youth movement at the at the Roosters as well. Not that I think he's going to lose his position, but I think minutes are going to be chopped and changed, especially with Lindsay Collins coming on. And Lindsay Collins is looking like the best prop and best front rower in, in that club, isn't he? Um, but yeah, Tokiaho, I'm going to give him another week um, simply because I've just got more important trades elsewhere. But I, I think next week is uh, sort of D-Day for old Tokiaho and my side. But again, a player you can hold over, over Origin um, has been a mainstay in sides for the last couple of years, but... Yeah, there's a few question marks, and it's definitely something I'd be keen to revisit next week. I think the problem with uh, Tokayaho is the fact that... Oh, I think the, I think the saving grace for him is the fact that there's no huge front row forward options p- pushing through. Um, but I think it's a case of whether we hold him or not. We look at Isaac Liu. Uh, he's, he plays sort of anywhere from 45 to 60 minutes a game. 
So that's going to free up more minutes. Like, is, is Leo going to go back to 13? Is Radley going to get a spell? Like, where's Takeaho going to get his minutes from? So I'm not too sure why he's been named on the bench. Um, if he's good to If he's good to play, I think he's good to start. So, yeah, I think it's a case of not selling him this week, but it's a case of whether we put the reserve on him or not. Uh, personally, I think my last reserve spot comes down to Takeaho, uh, Jake Simpkin, or Ryan James. So that's the, the, the conundrum that I have. For the Roosters, we've still got Tedesco with multiple question marks. Has been named, but do you think he's going to play? I was just about to mention Joseph Sawali being on the extended bench there and uh, the question marks around Teddy. I wouldn't be surprised to see Teddy get a spell this week and then uh, Joey Manu move to fullback and you'll see uh, Joseph Sawali make his debut in the centres there. Um, to be honest, I'd be actually really keen to see it. I think that Teddy probably needs a bit of a, a week off. I think he looks a little bit burnt out as well. I think he's the kind of guy who is absolutely firing when the rest of his side's firing and he doesn't have to be the leader in the team. But uh, obviously this year and last year, majority of last year, Teddy's really had to stand up and be the leader. And he's just not that kind of player. He's a, he's definitely a support player and he looks like he needs a bit of a rest. And he's a bit burnt out. But uh, Joseph Swiley coming in potentially at 173K. I think I'll wait a week to see how he goes. If he goes out there and absolutely brains it, he's a player that you could look to bring in as well, especially if you've got somebody like a Charlie Staines or a Tessie New still in your side. Um, you're looking to free up a little bit of cash and obviously make a bit of cash. I personally don't think Swallow's going to get the start, mate. I think if Teddy drops out, Mana goes back to fullback or Beemors goes to fullback and then you've got Mac- Matty Cavalli there. So I think Trent Robinson's pretty adamant that Swali is just going to bide his time in reserve grade. Um, so yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be looking at him too much as a playing option. Obviously, an okay enough option. But yeah, I think it's going to be a wait and see on Teddy. Um, I think I can, looking at the draw... I think I can wait on my trades until Friday afternoon. So hopefully that gives me enough time for the news on Teddy to come out. I think uh, with this Raiders South game, I can hold off on the Thursday for making trades, which is good. Uh, it's going to give me more time to see what happens with Tedesco. Lachlan Fitzgibbon has been named on the extended bench. Um, probably going to play reserve grade. He's been named to start in reserve grade. So don't think he's going to get too much of a spell in first grade. But what domino effect do you think this has on um, Frizzell, Fitzgibbon, Connor Watson, Sawaso Sue? We've come to the the right man. I uh, I got rid of Barnett about two weeks ago, simply just because I wasn't I wasn't real sure. I think Newcastle are really up and down at the moment, and uh, you just don't really really know what you're going to get from Barnett at the moment. Start of the season, he was absolutely killing it. You knew week in week out he's going to be one of your best. But I think with uh, Fitzgibbon obviously coming back to reserve grade this week, I can't see that. It's, I can't imagine it's going to be too long until he hits first grade again. And uh, even if he doesn't take Barnett's position, I still think that it's going to chop into the minutes of either Connor Watson or Barnett. So uh, if you own both, there's definitely some big decisions to be made. You think uh, Tyson Frizzell is still the 80-minute man? Oh, mate, Tyson Frizzell has looked awesome this year. He looks like his career has been rejuvenated, moving away from uh, St. George and then going into that Newcastle side. I've been really impressed with him. A player I was looking at a couple of weeks ago to bring into my side. I uh, just couldn't make it work. But yeah, I, Tyson Frizzell is definitely someone that I've got my eye on. Are we worried about Frizzell at all? Like he's holding a 70 average, but only has three scores above 70 themselves. Obviously inflated by the 113 two weeks ago, but he's got a 52, a 42, and a 58 in him. Are we worried that the, the average is just propped up by one or two big scores? It's not so much the big scores and like that. That's not the aspect that worries me about Frizzell. It's it's origin. Like he's the kind of guy I just I cannot figure out whether or not he's going to get picked. Uh, obviously, Freddie, I don't know if he's looked at last year and just thought, like, fuck it, we're just going to bring in all those young new dudes that we've got. 
obviously Queensland's going through a bit of a rebuild as well. And I think New South Wales have got the, the better talent there with the young players coming through. So does Frizzell get a run in origin? Um, if he doesn't get a run in origin, I think he's a fantastic buy. Um, like you said, those scores that probably are inflated a little bit, uh, but he's just so consistent. He's one of those dudes who, uh, like back into last year, my head-to-head, I won every single game and then I got into the grand final. In the last 10 minutes, I think he scored, what, two tries or something against the Storm and I lost my head-to-head simply because of that. So I can't that week. Oh, mate, he is the biggest cuck of all time. He's just fucking ruined me. So he's definitely someone I'm looking to bring in. I, I remember that game, actually. I, um, I picked him up about six weeks beforehand because he was averaging 65 or so. And um, yeah, last week of the season, I was just like, oh, it's his last game for the Dragons. Maybe you put him here. And he, I put the captain to him and he scored 150-odd. So that was obviously nice. As for the origin conundrum, I just don't see who takes his spot. Uh, I think we've got Angus Crichton and Frizzell will be the back rowers. I just don't see anyone on the horizon that's going to take his spot. Is there someone I'm missing out thinking about? Uh, it just all really depends, man. Like, Freddie's been coming out lately and saying how much he, he wants to play combinations. So I think there's going to be a fair few Panthers players. Not that I think somebody like a Liam Martin or anybody's going to get picked, but you've got to make room for probably Dale Finucane. May, maybe you get Dale Finucane picked, depending on how he goes coming back from injury. But you've got Isaiah Yo, you've got a Victor Radley, you've got Cam Murray. There's just so many players to pick from. Well, do you want to quickly, just, yeah. do you, do you want to quickly run down your origin team? I'll give you one. Oh, mate, it's it's so tough. New South Wales could go so many different ways. Like, I think Teddy's going to get fullback. Um, I'd probably put Turbo on one of the wings. Oh, actually, you know what? I'd put To'o and Addo Carr. This is completely off the top of my head, by the way, so it could be wrong. Uh, Addo Carr and To'o on the wings. Uh, in the centers, I'd look at Latrell and Turbo. I think that those two, that's a dynamic center pairing, isn't it? It's very, very scary. Um, in the halves, I think I'd be looking at Luai and Cleary. I think that's probably a bit of Penrith bias coming through, but I also like the combination, especially if you're going to have To'o in the side as well. Um, from there, look, props could be absolutely anything for New South Wales at the moment. I think Daniel Saifidi is probably the only one that's definitely got a jersey. I think he's been killing it. Uh, outside of that, you obviously look at somebody like a Junior Paulo. Um, you could look at a David Clemmer potentially, but you never know. He had a bit of a fallout there with uh, Freddie seemingly. Uh, at hooker, I think Cookie's going to keep his position just because simply just because there's not really any competition. Appy's obviously been out for the entire year. and um, Then in the second rows, again, I mentioned probably about six or seven players that could be playing there in the second row. So take your pick, uh, especially, and that, that goes for Locke as well. Obviously, Cam Murray and Victor Radley, Dale Fanuk and Isaiah Yo. There's just so many players to pick from. Um, so look, my, my biggest conundrum is probably the outside backs and then your second row and, and lock position. There's just so many players to pick from. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely put Pappy on the bench. But then you've got Jack White as well. See, look, I'm in shambles, mate. Pappy and Jack White and both can't be on the bench, but one of them definitely has to be. Yeah, mate. Um, I think you and I have a very similar team. I've got Ted, Ted at fullback. I've got Adok Carr and Brian Toto on the wings. I've got Turbo and Trell on the centers. Luai Cleary in the halves. Saifidi, Cook, uh, and Haas as your front rowers. Then I've got Gus and Frizzell as the back rowers. Isaiah Yo at 13. Murray, Radley, Paulo, Pappy on the bench. And that means Jack Whiten doesn't make the side, which is uh, definitely uh, worse options to have if you're Freddie Fittler. But I think... Um, it's just, it's hard. You can make the case for dropping Pappenhausen too for, for Jack White as he covers more positions. So uh, definitely not, not a bad headache to have if you're Freddie. But um, yeah, I think the the halves are going to be a big talking point, whether we see Cody Walker get picked um, off last year or if we're going to see someone like a Jack White and get picked. Maybe Jerome Luai just isn't ready enough for, for origin if, if Freddie thinks that. So yeah, uh, Brian Toto, another one. I think Daniel Tupo is a bit stiff to miss out. We know how good he is carrying the ball out of his own end but you can't really drop Addo Carr in the way that Brian Poto has been playing this year. Uh, I think, yeah, New South Wales have a lot more headaches than Queensland have. I think Queensland sort of picked themselves, which um, I wouldn't say is a good thing. 
But yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what Paul Green does and, and Freddie Fittler for Origin and how Super is. Uh, you're a Queensland man, aren't you? I am, mate. Yes, born uh, born in Logan, up in Queensland, and uh, yeah, now living in, in Newcastle. So um, I'm worried. I'm, I'm worried this year. If, if I'm going to be honest, last year I think we, we fluked it, um, but I think uh, we might get touched up this year. Oh, I definitely agree. And yeah, if the listeners would be interested in having something like I could do the New South Wales team of the week and then you could do the Queensland team of the week, we could rattle through it up until origin. Uh, just hit up Whisper in, in the DMs and we can definitely look at doing something like that on a Wednesday as well. Because uh, I'd definitely be interested to keep an eye on those players and their form leading into origin. Mate, I, uh, I posted my Queensland team the other week and, and copped a spray for it. So um, definitely not, not, not a poster. I think I had Tessie New in the centres. I had Jake Turpin at 14. I have AJ Brimson. So um yeah, copped it, but I think um, it's it's shown that that's blown up my face. Jake Turpin's longer playing 80. Tessie used to be dropped from the side altogether, so um, wonderful things. Mate, we still have two more games to get through. We have been going for a little bit, but we'll we'll wrap it up quickly. Warriors-Cowboys, Jason Tamalolo is back. Valentine Hones killing it. Curran, as we touched on with the match review committee, he is free to play. And unfortunately for Supercoaches, uh, Reese Walsh and Rocco Berry are only available at fullback, which makes them sort of null and void. Uh, are you pulling the pin on Reese Walsh? I mean, are we going to downgrade someone like a Pappenhausen or Tedesco to to those guys to free up bulk cash? Or do you think the fullback position is just too crucial to to play these 130, 170k nuffies? Uh, it all comes down to your, uh, your situation. Like, if you're only going for your head-to-head comp, some, something that you could consider because, I mean, back end's the most important. As long as you're in that top eight and then your back end, if you've got heaps of trades left over and a ton of money because you've been doing trades like this early in the season good on you but if you're going for the overall um or you are sort of struggling your head-to-heads at the moment it is somebody i'd avoid just because i don't think the points are going to be there and i think fullback is you just need to nail your fullback position just because there's so many points in the in your fullback position week in and week out um but yeah depending on your situation sort of think about it and think about how you want to be playing the game but um if you're looking to sort of make a bit of cash and then worry about your head-to-head at the back end then yeah definitely a possibility Speaking of uh, making big points, Jason Tamalolo back in the side, suffered a hand injury and then suffered a hand injury to the other hand. We finally see Lolo back. Uh, we we excited to see him back playing footy? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, look at, I look at the Cowboys, look at their situation. You just don't know what you're going to get in week in, week out. Like Valentine Holmes is obviously like obviously not a fan of Todd Payton at all, but he's absolutely been killing it the last couple of weeks after starting pretty rough the season. Uh, he's a player that I'm looking at. I think Valentine Holmes has uh, a lot of cash to be made, a, a lot of points to be made. But Jason Tamalalu, I'd just I'd wait a couple of weeks to see how he goes. Uh, obviously, after that first game against Penrith, I can imagine that uh, he's probably looking at going down a bit of cash as well for the first few weeks that he's in. Uh, if you find that over the next couple of weeks, he absolutely kills it. Obviously, not going to be playing Origin, so he's definitely uh, a player that you could keep an eye on. Yeah, with with Holmes, he, he scored twenty points that first week against the Panthers on the wing. Uh, then scored 61 against the Dragons on the wing, but then playing fullback, he's won 70, 70, 50, 95, 97, and has uh, an okay matchup coming in the next couple of weeks. We've got the Warriors, the Broncos, the Roosters, the Knights, the Warriors, and then he has the bye, which isn't um, ideal, but we could pick him up after the bye, but he does play Origin. So the move to fullback is definitely the way to go for Valentine Hones, but Tamalolo, I think he's going to offer a lot of stocks in people's second row forward. Apart from the guys like Fafita, Barnett, and Tohu Harris, there isn't many knocking down the door for that gun status. So if Lolo can get back to his best, then he's definitely one to pick up. The last game, probably the one of the most dull games of the round, the Tigers and the Dragons. We've got Ben Hunt back. We've got Max Fiege in. We've got Jake Simkin. Uh, is he a trap? 
We've also got Stefano. Has he peaked too much? So we'll kick off with Ben Hunt. Um, how much of an impact is this going to have on the Dragon side? Do you think they're going to go to another level? We saw how good they were at the start of the year. Uh, they haven't fallen off too much, but just haven't been playing the same footy without Ben Hunt. Do you think this is going to help guys like Zach Lomax, uh, Jack Bird, uh, Max Viego, uh, guys like that? I tell you what, isn't Ben Hunt to hook what uh, Darius Boyd was to Wayne Bennett? He just he he gets the absolute all like all out of Ben Hunt. He makes Ben Hunt look like a much better player. Uh, they just complement each other. Like his game style uh, and the way that he plays just complements the game plan that Hook Griffin puts in there. So uh, I think the Dragons are definitely better for having him in their side. I think Ben Hunt looked really really good at the start of the season. Just depends to see how it goes. Uh, obviously this, the game is sped up, so I think coming back from injuries that are over you mean three or four weeks. Normally takes a player a week or two to sort of get back to that match fitness and uh, get hooked back in and sort of keep up with the pace of the game. So another player you could keep an eye on. And again, not Dev, I don't think he's going to play Origin this year either, Benny Hunt. Yeah, um, it's interesting to see what they do with the, with the number fourteen jersey because um, Harry Grant was probably still a little bit raw to play Origin last year. They they picked him for game three and and pulled him apart. But that that game one and two, I think he may have been a little bit raw. And and Ben Hunt, he's similar to Dan Gagai. We know he goes to another level in Origin playing hooker. But this is the reason why I was looking at Zach Lomax. They've got the Tigers, the Bulldogs, the Storm, the Sharks, the Tigers, the Broncos, the Bulldogs, the Raiders, the Warriors, up until their their bye. So the Dragons have a very, very favorable matchup. They have one tough game in the Storm, one questionable game in the Raiders. But apart from that, it's pretty smooth sailing for them. Ben Hunt, 74, 116, his first two games, then scored a 41 with an injury. So, yeah, I think the Dragons, are they're going to kick on to another level. I think they're going to win at least five of the next seven games. So, um, yeah, for, for the Dragons fans, I think it's great. Anthony Griffin, I know that you gave him a lot of stick on your podcast. I gave him a lot of stick on mine. But the way that they're playing under him, it's it's rejuvenated. Jack Bird's playing great footy. Uh, Zach Lomax is playing good footy. Their outside backs. Their back rowers are playing well. Um, Tyrell Fumayona, Tarek Sims looks a new man. So there's just a lot clicking for the Dragons. And it's exciting for them moving forward. Um, I touched on them being just a rebuilding club, but they definitely could make a make a push for that finals if the Sharks are going to drop out and if the Titans are going to continue to be inconsistent. As for the Tigers, mate, uh, Jake Simpkin, is he a trap or not? Jacob Little, uh, maybe coming back, Moses and Bow on the bench, what's going to happen there? It's just trouble trouble street for them. Stefano was, was the best player in the field for the Tigers last week and played 26, 27 minutes. So that's, it's worrying times for the Tigers, isn't it? Oh, for sure. And not to mention they didn't have a Thomas McKayley on the bench last week and he still only played 26 minutes. Like, some of the, the selections that Madge makes are head scratches. Some of the uh, interchanges he makes throughout the game are head scratches. It's like, I, I don't blame everything on Madge. I think that he gets a hard hard run of it in the media and the way that everybody acts about him. But the fact is, some of his decision-making is just woeful. I just don't understand it at all. But um, look, you took a minor, I'm going to keep in my side. I think he's going to be important over origin. It's something that you and I, I think, may have even talked about the other day. I think he's going to be important over origin. Sure, he's going to leak a bit of cash over the next couple of weeks, but I think he can build that back up. I think once they get a player like a Sean Bloor back into that side as well, who's got a lot of attacking upside, it's only going to do good things for everybody around him. Um, but yeah, look, you took a Manu, depending on your situation, again, everything's situational and depending on how you're going to go about things. But uh, you took a Manu, I would probably keep in your side. And Jake Simpkin, I think, is a trap personally. I think that they've got obviously got uh, Moses and Bayer on the bench there. You never know when he's going to come into the game and what position. Uh, and then Jacob Little. I can't imagine Jacob Little is going to be sitting out for the rest of the year, whether he comes back uh, via the bench or he does come back into that starting side. Uh, I just think yeah, Jake Simpkin, way too many question marks around him. And uh, for a player, sure, he's going to make you a bit of cash, but are you willing to burn a trade and then have all the 
the uncertainties around him week in, week out. Yeah, it's just a miss for me, especially in such a, a crucial position in hooker. I mean, we look at Stefano's scores, man. He hasn't had a score above 50 without a try all year. So his base has never never been around that. The, the highest base he's got is 42. So there, there is an argument to sell him. His break-even is 60. He's priced at 350K. He's made us uh, 160-odd thousand. I think the I think the, the the situation that people are having is it's hard to bring in one of these gun front row forwards without killing one of these rounds uh, these first buy round guys. I know for myself, I can't bring in a Luke Thompson or a Tavita Pengai without killing Spencer Lenu or um, Stefano. So I think that's that's the problem that we face is we're going to have to take one of these guys out that's going to play um, rounds thirteen and then we're going to have to bring in another one. So not not a sideways trade, but we're not gaining anything for for the bye week. So. For me, I'm probably leaning towards um, Stefano just from that break even. And I think Spencer Lenny might play uh, more minutes during the origin than Stefano would because the Tigers aren't going to lose anyone um, to play rep footy to throughout minutes. So that's probably the only factor that decides that for there. I think that also leads me about 450k to upgrade Simmons to Turbo next week. So what trades are you looking at, mate? For this week? Yes. This week, I have moved Charlie Staines out for Corey Thompson. Uh, Corey Thompson, obviously, at 600K, but over the next five weeks, four of the teams are pretty woeful. I think that there's still a lot of cash to be made with Corey Thompson. The way he plays and like sitting there and watching a Titans game and not having him in your side is just a heartbreaker, so I had to bring him in. Um, and then, obviously, Pappy. We don't know. There's just too much uncertainty around Pappy. Origin looming as well, uh, and he's got a, a lot of cash there. So I sold him and I brought in Gutho. Uh, which obviously allowed me to do that Corey Thompson trade. How about yourself? Yeah, I think um, I come I come into this week with about 350k in the bank. Uh, I think I go Spencer Lenu out for to beat a Pengai, and then it's going to work out what happens with my other trade. I could go uh, Ryan James out for Tohu Harris. That's if um, Tedesco plays. If Tedesco doesn't play, then I go Pappenhausen out for Lomax um, to play fullback for this week, and then the, the plans next week is to go Simmonson out for Turbo and bring Lomax back into the center wing. So. It's going to hinge on, on Tedesco. And like I said, thankfully, um, that first game is the, the Raiders game. I might not trade out, um, might not trade out, what's his name? Ryan James. I might just trade out someone like a Jason Saab, for example. So it'll, it'll hinge on, on, on Tedesco, I think, for me. Um, that's the, the key factor. And we'll wait to see the news on him. Oh, for sure. And there's so many ways you can go about it this week. And obviously, as the weeks go on, everybody's teams are going to be getting so different. Uh, heading into Origin, you're gonna when you go into head-to-heads, instead of having like three or four unique players, you're gonna have almost a whole team. So, uh, really exciting times ahead for everybody in Supercoach World, especially in Classic. I think for Origin as well, um, the first bye week is the week to stack up. I think uh, looking at the quality on the field, I think there's much more quality to be had in that first week than the second week. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely, if you're gonna be putting more stock into your buy planning, I would be doing it for the first week compared to the second. I'm not too sure how many players you're planning on running, but at the moment, I've got 12. I think I'm going to be aiming for around 14 to 15, and then that'll leave me enough to, to fix up the second week. But for now, uh, yeah, joined by Joe. Uh, like I said at the start, the BJ to my Luciano. Um, you're going to have him on every week. Joe's in the Facebook group, answering a lot of your guys' questions, posting them for himself as well. So if you guys have any issues, uh, ask me, ask Joe. We're both in the group. Uh, give it a quick plug. It's just the Supercoach Whisperers discussion group on Facebook. Uh, give that a search. Join it. Uh, a couple of questions there. If you see any of those ridiculous telegram, telegram uh, fixed soccer match scammers, report them. They get banned immediately. Um, but for now, guys, keep your friends close, keep your pods closer, and thank you very much, Joe. No worries at all. Good luck this week, mate. You too.